We're really thrilled tonight to have a, a, a friend of mine, Jim Critcher, and Pastor Jim is originally from, I believe, North Carolina area, pastor there in North Carolina, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, for those of you who may know where Rocky Mount, North Carolina is, and um, now Jim functions as the executive pastor at Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly, Virginia, which is in the Washington, D.C. area, I believe on the south side, is that correct? South side? Yeah, and so he's there, that's his sort of day-in, day-out job, but Jim also uh, is a very has a very gifted uh, prophetic uh, voice, and so he also co-labors in the Every Nation world. For those of you who are familiar with the Every Nation family of churches, um, as on their North American leadership team, that's sort of the senior group of leadership that focuses on church planning and world missions and campus ministry. And so uh, Jim adds his voice and talent and gifts into that leadership group. And so um, Jim is a just a fantastic communicator. He's also a classical guitarist. If you read my email this week. I don't think we'll be getting any of your talent tonight. I'm sorry, it's our loss. It really is our loss. Um, for those of you, and he'll get to this in a minute, but who are unfamiliar with sort of the spiritual um, idea or gift of prophecy, maybe this is your first time in a, in a meeting like this. Let me just give a sort of a brief explanation, and Jim will give his own as well in a minute too. You know, uh, we love and honor and believe in the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4 tells us that God gave gifts to people, gifts to His church, in the form of not just pastors and teachers, although we're glad for those, but also for evangelists and prophets and for apostles. Now, no apostle today is ever equivalent to someone in the first century, Peter and James and John and all those guys. But in the same way that we still have modern functioning day apostles, people who help plant churches and start churches and extend God's government uh, in the earth, there's also God's gift of, of a prophet, of a person, not an Old Testament capital P, someone who has you know, direct, in a sense, revelation from God for the revelatory word, but someone who with a lowercase p hears the voice of, of God, the Holy Spirit, in the same way you can, and many times you do. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that prophecy, lowercase p prophecy, is given to people, to God's church, for exhortation. That means to call you up and all God's got for you, to edify you, to build you up, and also to console you or confirm you, to, to confirm things God's doing in your lives. And so um, Jim, in a, in a moment after he teaches and preaches, will be spending some time calling up a number of individuals, maybe couples, and, and we just are trusting God to speak through him to share whatever is on God's heart maybe for you tonight can't get to everybody but we'll get to a number of folks um, if uh, you know, the only sort of prophetic person individual you're familiar with is Jim LaFoon you'll notice that they're very different it's a whole range of, uh, of personality that God moves through. And, of course, we believe every Christian can, in a sense, prophesy. If you've ever heard God's voice, maybe a message for, for a friend or for a neighbor, you felt something heavy on your heart to communicate, that was sort of a, a prophetic, you know, tinged, leaning God's given you for someone. So Jim's just a person that has trained, spent many years training to hear, his ear to hear the voice of God to communicate God's heart. We believe prophets know in part, prophesy in part. That means they don't get the full picture. Um, and so I'll let him give his own sort of, you know, qualifications and introduction when he gets up here. But I hope that's enough of, a, of, a, of an introduction for Jim. Uh, again, honored to have him here. Um, makes his home in, in, in Virginia. Came all the way here, enduring the flight and the heat. Uh, unlike Pastor Jim LaFoon, he declined Rudy's tonight on the way in. So, he's, you know, some prophets like with the stomach full, some like kind of a, you know, feel the appetite, the hunger drives them on. So no worries. We'll, we'll get you taken care of, I'm sure, with some of Austin's finest cuisine. Tex-Mex, I think he said, is what he wanted. So there you go. So would you guys please give a, a warm welcome for our special guest this weekend tonight and tomorrow and Sunday night, 
Pastor Jim Critcher. He'll use this. All right, how are you tonight? Texas folk are just, they're so friendly. And I guess they're friendly because they're well fed. I mean, I told my son-in-law, future son-in-law, I said, you know, I don't know much about women. Now, I've been married 37 years, and so I, I guess that I've learned a, a little something. I said, but it's really, I, I've learned this much about women. It's real simple. You've got to do two things. Keep them warm and keep them fed. It's a little bit like, you know, now, I, now ladies, please don't get upset with this, all right, because I'm not, I'm not accusing you of being cold-blooded. Hear me, all right? Just stay with me for a moment, all right? But I said, if you keep her warm, all right, because ladies don't like being cold. How many ladies here like being cold, okay? Because you're in Texas and it's 150 degrees outside, so it doesn't count, all right? But keep them fed. I said, so I'm not talking about, you know, just mints. I'm talking about, like, keep an entire pizza in the glove compartment of your car. Because when she's hungry, my, my daughter growing up, she said, I want a full meal now, all right? So I can only assume that here in Texas you're so happy because you're so well-fed here in Texas. And it is wonderful to indeed be here. All right. Well, tonight what I'd like to do is to take a, take a little, just, just a few moments if I could, and that's preach a word for as long as it takes. And open the Bible for us. Can we, is that okay with you? Because I, I, know how these, I know how these prophetic moments work. I travel quite a bit. I've done these Saturday night meetings, and the expectation is, okay, prophet boy, get on with it. I want my word. Okay, I, I know why you came here tonight. I got it. But how many of you know God can actually speak to us in a corporate way, and then he can get to us in the seat as well? Amen? And so this is a way that I can kind of cover everybody at one time, and we can get into this word. I, I've, I first had this thought, or actually this prophecy, at a meeting that Morgan and some of you were at, Pastor Morgan, uh, a couple of months ago. And God spoke to me in the midst of this conference that we were at. And he gave me these, this, this very interesting, this very interesting uh, word. How many of you have found yourself sort of in a unique moment where it, it appears that God has almost just put you on pause? There have been these divine interruptions in your life. Maybe something in your health, your family, something in the workplace, financially. But it's just, it's almost like God has just kind of just, just hit the interrupt button. Anybody at all there? Lie to me, make me feel good. It's a Saturday night. There we go. All right. Just, just all of a sudden you just feel like things have stopped for a moment. Well, how many of you know that whenever that God will put us in this place of almost suspension or suspended animation. God is about doing something significant in those moments. Now, I am a, let me, let me say this, I am a control freak. And I'm a card-carrying introvert. And so I want to let you know, your pastor violated me deeply just a moment ago. All right, when he said, now I just want you to touch and pray for somebody. It's like, well, well I don't touch anybody. I don't go to the chiropractor, I don't go to a massage, don't touch me. Do you understand? I mean, I'm one of those guys. 
And so I got, I, want, I, I was violated in your church. I'm just telling you, I've got my certified introvert card here. I'll show it to you after the meeting tonight, all right? Years ago, during the mid-90s, we had, we had this moment in our church, and it was interesting that I had just become senior pastor of the church there, and we had this moment that some things that began to happen around the church, around the body of Christ, where laughter began to break out. Folk began to just fall out like flies at the front of the room. I don't know if anybody's ever been in a church like that or in a moment like that. And I mean, it's, it's hard for a control freak, let me just tell you. Because I had some, I had some Sundays where God would move so much that I couldn't preach standing up. I had to, I was on the floor. People would walk in and the presence of God would hit them. They would come within so many feet of the platform and the Holy Ghost would just just take them down. And I'm not talking about the courtesy drop that you give the visiting evangelist. You know what I'm talking about. When they push you in the middle of the forehead and you give them the courtesy drop. I'm talking about the power of God in such a way that we actually, when we were training ministers, I would tell people, don't step forwards. Take two steps backwards when somebody walks up to you. So there's no question it's God and not you. Don't put your hands on them. And I remember I went to a meeting in Virginia Beach, skeptical, because that's part of what prophets do. They, they kind of, something's wrong with this. You know, it's like something, something stinks in here. And so I actually went to this meeting with some other friends. One of those friends was Pastor Jim LaFoon, and we got to the door. It's a fairly large meeting, and I said, you cynics go away, and just, let's, let's each just kind of corner off in this room over here. And I remember in that moment, I came in the room, and People are milling in, and I mean, it was, it was thousands of people. And before anybody got on stage, before any musicians got up there, all I know is that from the center, I got slammed up against the wall, kind of fell down, and for the next two and a half hours, spent it on the floor under the hand of God. And I remember that someone sitting close to me noticed the people I was coming in with, went and got them and said, I think your friend is dead. You might want to check on him. And I remember during this moment, being the control freak that I am, the certified introvert that I am, arguing the entire time, Trish saying, God, what are you doing? Let me up. Because I mean, I wanted to, I came to go to this meeting. And the Holy Ghost just would not let me up off that floor. Now, this is, this is hard for somebody like me. And I remember inquiring of God in that moment, what are you doing? He said, if I told you, you wouldn't understand. Furthermore, he said, and quite frankly, it's none of your business. Now, I got offended by that. i like, yo, Jack, this is me down here. You understand? I mean, ever had an honest conversation with God? And yet in those moments, God was doing some things that now I can look back 20 years later, I can begin to understand. And so I want to give some context to where some of you may be finding yourself in this particular moment. And you don't have to get have a, some kind of supernatural Holy Ghost experience for God to take out some things that need to be taken out so that God can put in some things that need to be there. Somebody say amen to that. But I believe in this unique moment of pause or interruption, God's doing three things. I believe He's in the process of rewriting rewiring and rerouting. Let me say that again. 
He's rewriting, he is rewiring, and he is rerouting. Ephesians chapter 4. We've already heard a little bit out of Ephesians 4 tonight, but let's skip over to verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We take off in order to put on. And I believe this is the challenge for many believers, is that we want to put on the new life of God. We want to put on the life of the Spirit and yet not fully take off the old self. Now, again, it's 150 degrees, 150 degrees outside. I got it. And so you're, we're taking clothes off, not putting clothes on. But imagine if you never took any clothes off, besides being odiferous and very European after a moment, you just keep putting them on and never took anything off, your life would not work well at all, would it? You would die of a heat stroke. You wouldn't have any friends because you smelled so bad. I mean, all kinds of, you know, ugly, ugly phenomena out there. And yet, this is where the rewriting has to begin. We have to take off some old things. We've got to take off the old self. We've got to take off the old thinking. We'll look at another passage in just a moment. But it begins, it says, in the attitude of our, what? Minds. This is where it begins. To be like God, not to be God. We're not pantheists here. But to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Whenever you read your Bible, we see this little word stuck in there, true righteousness and holiness, which must mean that there's another variety that's not real. So we're talking about the Holy Ghost kind. We're talking about the heaven kind, the God kind, the Bible kind of righteousness and holiness that God intends for us. But it begins by a rewriting that needs to happen. At any given moment, there are three narratives that are being written about your life. One is from God, one is from the devil, and you're writing the third one. God's written some things about your life. Jeremiah 29, one of the only Old Testament passages maybe that we know, but we like it. I know the, well, come on, church. And they're what? They're good plans. Hallelujah. We know our Bible. Glory to God. Good plans, and God's got many of them, and you've got one or two yourself. But God's got plans for your life. How many of you know that the devil's got some plans for your life? He comes only, it says in John 10, to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He had plans for Peter. Jesus told him what the plans were. And Jesus' response to Peter is not the response that we wanted. The response that we would have wanted from God in that moment is, but I've taken care of it. It ain't going to happen. He said, no, 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 no. You're going all the way through this one, son. He said, He's given, and I've given him permission to sift you like wheat. And when it's over, go encourage your brothers. Interesting. The devil's got some plans. He's written them about your life. All kinds of different spiritual outworkings of that. Curses. 
The doctor, you go into the doctor's office and he begins to ask you questions about your family line. Is your mom alive, your daddy, your grandfather, your grandmother? If they're not living, what did they die of? What are they looking for in that moment? What's going to kill you? It's called a curse, isn't it? And so certain things get written down. We need to be very careful how we allow things to be written down. Educators and psychologists write things down about your children. Be very careful how you allow that to happen. Ooh. The devil's got plans he's written. But you know, it's the third one that's the most difficult. It's the plans that we have for our life. And we've got a lot of them. Scripture says that we do, but you know you do. And they're not necessarily bad plans. They're plans that certainly if you were God, you would come down and stamp those plans. But the problem is, God is not interested in yours. He's interested in His plans working themselves out in your life. Why? Because His plans bring you into conformity to His person. Oh my. And in that rewriting, we've got to hand God those plans that we have written. Inasmuch as there's a rewriting of plans, there's a rewriting of His person. Now, what do I mean by that? Who God is is often tied to, one, our current understanding, both historically and theologically. We know God based on what we've seen God do in the past, what we've read, that which we have experienced. And so, in any given moment, we have a snapshot. And let me say that that's exactly what it is. It is a snapshot of who God is. We also define Him by our expectation and observation of His current performance, do we not? We define God that way. Is God performing according to my, what? Expectations. That famous passage in Scripture that says that He's our shield and buckler, it's not a He's our shield and butler. And yet, many times, we get confused as to how this really works. Uh-oh. And Christ and the crisis for many Christians at present is happening because much of what we know about God is, one, either incorrect or it's changing. Now, hear me. God doesn't change. It's called immutability. We know God's not changing. But how much of what you know about God today is so radically different than what you thought you knew about God 10 years ago? Just to aggravate folk, I like to put it this way. Most of what you know about God is wrong. Smile when you say that. Now, you know enough to respond to Him, amen, and to receive the offer of eternal life and to receive His Spirit into your life. Wonderful. But i got to tell you, having walked with God now for almost four decades, I look back at what I knew as a college student, what I was convinced of about God. Let me just tell you, it, most of it was kind of weird. It was kind of whack because it wasn't really based out of any depth. It wasn't based out of walking with God. God working something in me, through me, out of me by His Spirit. He's rewriting for you and I who He is. Many Christians are they're, they're hand-wringing in this moment, in this moment in time and in our culture and in our nation, and they're saying, Oh God, where are you? Everything is coming unwound and, 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 and entropy is set in. 
And God is like, I hadn't moved. I haven't changed. Yeah, but God, how could you? And how many fill in the blank after that? Because every one of us have come to a moment of some type of crisis where God has not done what we were convinced God was going to do. He's rewriting for you and I who He is. He's rewriting our person. As much as He's rewriting who His person is, He's rewriting who our person is as well. Even to the point of changing names. It's interesting. I have my 40th high school reunion coming up. Now, that's an ugly moment. Let me tell you, high school reunions, they're just ugly. I mean, you remember the first one? The first one was kind of cool because everybody was getting out of college, and, and, and it was all right. You kind of looked around, and you, you figured out who was going to, you know, not make it through school. And, you know, the second one was the worst because that's when folk were getting on with their careers. You had to rent a car to go to that one because you couldn't drive the college hoopty to your 10-year reunion. That was just too weird. And then you go through all these other iterations where folk are kind of doing well and, and what have When you get to 40, you just don't care anymore. I mean, you're just happy that, you know, it's, you're, you're looking around. And it's just like, well, who dead from last time? I mean, you're just, you're just real happy to be alive that you haven't had a cardiac event or something's happened. You're just happy to be there. In whatever state with no hair, you know, twice the waistline, it doesn't matter. You're there. Are you with me? And yet, many of us didn't go back to those reunions because we were trying to outrun those little names that we got when we were in school. Remember those names that maybe you got on the playground or somebody? I, I won't mention them, but you know what I'm talking about. Same reason we stay away from family reunions, except those folk are crazy. But you understand what I'm saying. But God does the same thing as He rewrites our person. He changes our name. You know this, Abram, Abraham, Sarah, Sarah, Saul, Paul, on and on and on. We see in Scripture where God will actually, as a result of what He's doing, He will rename someone. You realize He does the very same thing to you and I. Revelation 21, Revelation 2, rather, talks about a new name He's going to give us written on a white stone. Now, I barely understand that, so don't ask me about it after service tonight. Except there's a new name that God has for you and I. This church, I think, just underwent a name change. Rewriting, if you wish. Better defining who this church is and what God has called it to do as mosaic. Wonderful. And, you know, parents do the best they can to raise, to, to name their children. You know the ones, Elijah, Elisha, Obadiah, you know, lots of Hebrew names. And don't name the kid Obadiah. He's going to get beat up on the playground. Let me just tell you. So parents do the best they can. Here's this little squirming little thing there. And the parents are naming this child this, this amazing name. And yet they don't really know yet. But when God renames us, he knows what we're becoming. And you know, you've got names for yourself you need to stop using about yourself. Let me tell you. Because you're locking yourself into something old when you use those names to describe yourself. God's rewriting your name. He's also rewriting and overwriting some memories as well. Neurologists have discovered that everything that ever goes in your brain stays there forever. It never leaves. 
Now, that's an amazing phenomenon. Now, it doesn't mean that we, can, we have it for recall, but they know that they can go in and stimulate certain parts of the brain and everything that's ever been put in there, everything visually, everything auditory, everything that's been read, every fact is available for recall. That's quite a hard drive, is it not? But they've also discovered something else. You cannot erase a memory. You can only overwrite a memory with another memory. Isn't that interesting? Now, I don't know enough about computers. I can walk by one and I can erase a hard drive. I'm just in that generation. So don't ever hand me your your technology because I will destroy it somehow. But apparently in the computer world on a hard drive, you never erase a file. It's always there until another file overwrites it. Maybe we've got some computer people in here who can verify that. But you know, that's exactly what God is wanting to do with you and I as well. He's wanting to overwrite some old memories with new memories. And that's not an oxymoron, by the way, new memory. But God wants to insert himself into some very painful moments of our past that we thought were the defining things for the rest of our life and insert himself right there at that point. And so that memory that wakes us up, that plagues us, that tries to form the basis of a curse to pull us backwards, God himself is coming to rewrite our head, rewrite those memories. Amen? Rewriting. The third thing, or the next thing that God is doing, he's rewiring. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 talks about be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. What is renewing but rewriting? It's rewiring rather. How many of you know that oftentimes God needs to take something out before he puts something in? It's just like those garments taking off the old before we take on the new. And for you and I, beyond just the rewriting, we need some rewiring that's going on on the inside of us. We don't think right. You ever looked at your child, and they're 14 years old, and the logic in a 14-year-old brain, which is not to be found, they're they're not encumbered by thought process many times the same way you and I are. And you look at these little people, and all of a sudden, I mean, they were, they were playing with Legos in the one moment, and their dolls, and the next moment, it's like their pods, you see their body there, but it's like someone has snatched their little personalities and taken them away. And then you try to reason with them or have a logical discussion, and it's just not possible. Because they're not thinking quite right. Nobody's raised teenagers in this room yet, but you will survive it, all right? Let me just tell you. But God has designed you and I for something pretty powerful. It's the release and the manifestation of the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Do you realize there's not a small version of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and I? Do you realize there's, there's, there's no little Holy Spirit waiting to grow up into something? The same Spirit. Scripture says that raised him from the dead dwells on the inside of you and I. It's just waiting to get out. It's waiting to flow out of us. 2 Peter 1 says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge 
of him. Everything is found right here. Any of you here in the construction trades, construction business, you build houses or contract or anything like that, God bless you, it's a blessed room. All right. Back in the 60s and 70s, this is, there was this one of these building booms and people were really, contractors and builders were trying to figure out how to lower the cost of building. And one of the, one of the large costs in a building is the wiring that we, we don't see anymore. It's made out of copper. Copper is very expensive. People go on job sites and they steal copper pipe and copper wire because it's very lucrative to, to resell. And so they were trying to figure out a way to find a substitute material whereby which they could wire houses. And so they happened upon aluminum wires, homes with aluminum wires in them, 60s, 70s. Everything was fine until these houses started to burn down based on the wiring to the point, if I'm not mistaken, that they had to, you had to disclose whether or not there was aluminum wiring in a house. There's some people nodding their head here. But they really discovered that the problem was not the wire. The problem was where the wires made a connection. And where the aluminum wire met a brass connector, for instance, your, your receptacles or your switch or in the panel box, because they were different metals, they tended to corrode, and that's where the failure happened. This is what it looks like in the life of the believer. When we're trying to bring the old and the new together, it's when the two meet right there, that's where the power breaks down. That's where the corrosion occurs. That's where we miss the flow that is available from the throne of God that comes all the way through you and I. It's where God and you meet. This is why we need the sanctifying power of God in our life, do we not? God's rewiring the church in this moment. Let me just tell you, I believe the greatest moments of the church are yet upon us. I've never been more excited. I've never been... <laughs> I've never been more heartbroken and angrier at a culture that I live in. Anybody else share that, that feeling? And yet, I've never been more anticipatory of the true church in this moment than at any other time in history. We live in an Isaiah 60 moment. 60 moment. Yes, deep darkness descending, but, our, but His light will rise and shine over us. Amen? I believe it with everything that I'm worth. But let me tell you, Power, signs, and wonders have never gone out of style. It was part of the methodology of the early church, and I believe that it should be a regular outworking for you and me. I'm not talking about for the pastors and the elders and the ministers in a given church. I'm talking about wholesale through God's church. Let me just tell you, rather than someone in your workplace coming up and asking you for an aspirin for their headache, that you would respond... Don't get all weird. Silver or gold, I don't have. Aspirin and Tylenol, I ain't got. But what I do have, can I pray for you? And all of a sudden, the headache's gone. And the next thing you know, you're the headache whisperer in your office place. They begin to come to you because there's this strange thing that happens in and on your life. Said, you need to go see her. I don't know what kind of thing, what kind of voodoo she's got going on, but all I know is I had a headache and now I don't. And at some point, evangelism will begin to happen from that. Amen? 
We need to be rewired. And then lastly, rerouted. Rerouted. Men pride themselves in getting from point A to point B in the least amount of time. It's something in, I don't know what it is, but there's just, there's just something about our DNA, our chromosomal makeup that, you know, where, where ladies can enjoy the trip, men, we're production-oriented. And so we want to get to point A to point B and brag about it. When we get there, how long did it take you? Three hours and 12 minutes. I'm not two minutes off my last time. That's good, brother. Strong. I mean, we like that. Doesn't matter if we got four speeding tickets and lost our license for a year on the way there. We still are clocking it in. You know what I'm talking about. And there are few things that really help a man's sanctification than a detour. Come on. The line of taillights, the construction signs, traffic slow, next four miles. And you just find words coming up that are, that are not born of the Holy Ghost. Words that you thought had long since been put under the blood begin to come back. Now you don't say them because you're a Christian. But they're there. And then, so then you, then you turn on Siri or some kind of map or GPS device, and then you hear this, and we love this, don't we? Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. We don't like that. Any more than we, we like our wives over there with the maps. Now, my wife is an amazing woman. Let me just tell you. But map reading, it's not her... Honey, what do we do now? Well, on the blue road, okay, it's not going to help me, okay, really. And so you're already past it, and she, you know how it goes, all right? So it's something about that rerouting that ju we just don't want to hear. And yet, how many of you know that none of you in this room got to where you are today by the route that you thought you were going to get here? Oh, no, uh-uh. My wife and I met in music school. Let me break music school down for you. It's four or five years of preparation for the fast food industry. <laughs> oh, you can deceive yourself into thinking that somehow... You know, these hours in the practice room and your study of music theory and music history and all of you might think, but when it comes right to it, right down to it, they should just be, they should teach you your freshman year, would you like fries with that? Because that's how it's really going to break out at some point. And I might add there's some other majors that go with that, so don't snicker too loudly, those of you with art history degrees in the room. <laughs> So my wife and I meet in music school. There is no hope I'm ever going to be able to provide for this woman. But here we are, we, we're, we're, we're together, and, and the route, music school, and then retail music, which is the bottom of the food chain. 
And then as a business owner, recording studio, media, uh, a media production house doing, doing audio and video for, for national clients and, and, and through 10 years, the path that it took from being a music student to being a business owner to being called out to suddenly being in ministry. Let me tell you, what a bizarre route. And yet every one of you in here has a route that's just about as circuitous. It's just about as strange. Acts 16, we find Paul and his companions, they're just trying to go preach the gospel where it hadn't been preached. And it says the Spirit of Jesus would not let them enter. God Himself is stopping them from going in and preaching. One of those places is Bithynia. Now we know from the later missionary travels of Paul, they eventually they get back there because we see at the beginning of one of the epistles that he greets the church at Bithynia. But in this moment, God says, no. And it was in this account where Paul has his Macedonian call. He has this vision, come over here. Let me just tell you, for some of you, there's some Macedonian calls that are on the way. There's some divine interruptions that God is going to bring to even the path that you're on right now. You know, we look at the, the storied history of Israel. God leading them around through the desert years and years and years and complaining about the food and Moses and anything else they can find to whine about. We find this account in Numbers 21. It says that they begin to grumble again. It says in this particular account, Numbers 16, Numbers 21 rather, that God began to send poisonous snakes among them. Now, I don't know about you, but snakes is not something I'm really fond of. Just don't like them. They got these big 16 and 20 footers in the Everglades now. You seen these things? People turning their pets loose. All right. So why, why are we not in Florida? And it says these snakes came and they began to bite them and many of them died because of their complaining and their grumbling. Of course, we know that Moses at that point, he prayed for the people and he took the, took the plague away, the, the curse of the snakes away. But let me say this. Many of us in the rerouting and in the route that God has us on, many of us are self-poisoned through our own grumbling. Maybe it hasn't happened with a snake. Maybe it's not even anything in our body. But we know that there's some kind of where we're, we, we've poisoned ourselves because we've grumbled, if you wish. God, why? I don't like where I am. I don't like this path. Why is this taking so long? Why are you bringing me back this way again? And whether it's our church, our marriage, our job, whatever it might be. And many times we wonder, where, where is the help that I know God has promised me? It's because we self-poison ourselves through grumbling. Let me tell you, God has a specific path, a route, if you wish. And there's very little that you and I can do to really speed that thing up. We can slow it down, but God knows this is how many laps it's going to take around the circumstance. This is how many years around the mountain it's going to take to work that thing out. And I really believe in this moment, an interruption and pause, 
that God's doing some things in the church and in those individuals who are the church. What have I said? One, he's rewriting some things. But that really begins by you taking your plans and submitting them back to God. You know, we come to a, a prophetic moment like this, and everyone comes here. Or, or, let, me, let me clarify that. Many people come to a prophetic moment. They're really looking to have their plans endorsed prophetically. And I watch many times, and God will say everything but to that individual. And they go away disappointed. Ah, oh, the prophet missed it. Pfft, send him back. <laughs> but the reality, get another one. That one's defective. <laughs> Let's carry him out back and get Old Testament on him. <laughs> and yet many times we get disappointed because our plans did not get illuminated and affirmed in that moment. He's got good plans for you. He's rewriting who he is right now. Let him do it. Let him do it. I'm doing some reading right now, and my theology has been turned upside down again. Again. I mean, you think, you, you know, at, at, at almost 60 years old that you would have this thing kind of figured out, and then all of a sudden there's some, you read something and you realize, well, that's, wow. I, oh, huh. and then And then God reassembles it once again. We need to be rewired in this moment. I told my elders years ago, I said, whatever you did last year, thank you. But whatever you did is not enough for this year. They said, what do you mean by that? I said, I have no idea. All I know is going to require more faith, more power, more commitment, more love. And we need to be rewired so that that which is in us he who is in us, who is greater than, can get out. And lastly, being rerouted. Don't be afraid of God putting you on a different path. Don't be afraid that you may see a detour sign or you may see a series of stop signs or stoplights. Let me tell you, God is still leading. I wrote a blog a few, a few months ago. Says, leader, what was it? it was direction through the closed door. It's charismatics. We always say, oh, it was a wide open door. God's leading me through the open door. Let me tell you, God can lead you through the closed door as much as he can through the open door. But as charismatics, we see a closed door and we think we're supposed to bind, loose, rebuke, in Jesus' name. No. Maybe it's closed for a reason. God doesn't want you going through that one. And if we'll embrace these three things in this moment, I believe God is going to get us into the greatest days that we've ever seen. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord, help us hear something tonight by your spirit. God, thank you for this great church. Morgan and the leaders here. Lord, let us respond to the change that you're wanting to bring in our life. Lord, none of us like change much. We really don't. And yet, we embrace it. Thank you that you are continually unchanging. It's part of your nature, your character something we can count on, but we are always changing. So, Lord, we embrace that in this moment, right on us, in the name of Jesus. And God's people said together, amen.
All right. But what we're going to do is shift gears here for a moment. Oh, I have a minstrel. Hi. How are you? Lovely. This is really cute. I didn't know Yamaha made a case like this. Cute. All right. It's a musician thing. Let it go. Most of you have been in a moment like this. But what we're going to do for the next 45 minutes or so is just believe God just to speak some individual words to people. Now, let me say that years and years ago, when I used to hear that the prophet's coming, it didn't excite me because I knew how jacked up I was. And I was like, the last thing I need is somebody making public how messed up I am. I'm doing everything I can to keep, let me just tell you, the blood covers. And so this is a moment that God is not here to uncover you. This is a moment that God is here to do exactly what Pastor Morgan said. 1 Corinthians 14, 3, that prophecy is given to us for strengthening, encouragement, and what? Comfort. And in that many times, it's not so much what you're going to do next. Because many times we think that's what prophecy is. It's always about foretelling. Let me, if it was, I would already be doing the lottery in multiple states. It just doesn't work. I'd be a, I'd be a stock millionaire. I know. I'm telling you. But it don't work. Why? Because Revelation 19 says this. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. See, when prophecy is really working, the thing that happens with you and I is that we know that God knows. And you realize that many times that's enough. Just to know that the same God that keeps the gravity turned on and the planets from slamming into one another, that same God knows our frame so intimately that he knows that detail about our life. He knows where we're living. So let me encourage you in this moment. First of all, believe for something. But take your plans and just, just fold them back up and put them away. And let God speak however he wants to speak. One last thing. An interesting thing happens in a moment like this. Is that God will release a spirit of prophecy in the room. And so even if I'm speaking to an individual... Something happens when that gift is in operation that God will begin to speak right where you are. It's an amazing thing. I've seen it happen so many times before. And if you will just stay in the Holy Ghost, even if I'm not directly ministering to you, the Holy Spirit will minister to you where you are. Amen? You want to say anything? Yeah, we'll just uh, allow Pastor Jim to, to call who he will. So no... Um, no, no pre-programmed stuff here, um, although that's great when we do that, but um, I'll let you just have your pastor's choice, if that's all right. And if, if, you, if you're married, pastor's go ahead choice. and go. If you're, if you're single, you can single, come up here just with your single self. If you're married, come up here, come up with your married selves, um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll record and make sure we get it to you. So. Okay, great. And I, my, my earpiece fell out, and so, I mean, the, never mind. Um, okay, let me, just, let me just start right up here in the front. All right? You. Brett. I should remember that. <laughs> Being he's my boss. Hallelujah. He was just sharing with me that, was it 
13 years ago. I was mowing my grass, literally. And I got a call at that time from a leader that he was in, I guess you were in his church. We were just here visiting some friends who were in the church. So he calls me on the phone. I'm sweating. He says, I got this guy sitting here. I'm not going to tell you anything about him. He needs a word. I mean, so this, that, that I, 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 so what happened? So uh, my wife and I were sitting in the, the pastor's office. He calls Jim, says he needs a word. Didn't realize the pastor had offered or basically asked us to consider moving out here to start the youth ministry here at the church. And so we were kind of touring because our family and friends were all back in Atlanta, as y'all know. And, and, uh, and so he called, he called Pastor Jim, and Pastor Jim said, I'm gardening. Said, well, see if God will give you a word while you're gardening. And he, over the phone, he ended up prophesying over the phone. And so the Lord says, I'm bringing you to Austin. And then I've got great plans for you here, and on and on and on. And so that was essentially the, uh, one of the main ingredients that led to Melissa and I packing up our stuff from Atlanta and moving halfway across the country. So, so it's your fault. I've been married long enough. I know about that. So I, I'm saying, I got it. I got it. The Lord said to you, my friend, is that I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to expand your tent pegs. There's a, there's a tremendous power and tremendous competence that you have in what you're doing. But let me, let me say this, not by way of correction, but just by way of observation in the Holy Ghost. You're a little bit bored right now, okay? You really are ready to be expanded and to stretch out into some other things. And I believe that God is getting ready to open some multiple doors and multiple venues to you. And the good news is, it's not going to involve a physical move this time, all right? So put you, go ahead and put yourself at rest, all right? Okay? I know the pastor has a carry permit, so I want to be very careful how I prophesy anybody out of his church here. But I really believe that God is getting ready to, and, and this is interesting, what I saw is that God has, has got a net that you're going to be throwing behind you. I mean, that's traditionally not how people fish. It's usually to the side, but there's some things in the past. There's some people, there's some family members, there's some old relationships that go back quite a ways that you stop casting a net for. And it's a little bit like when Jesus, the, the disciples came up, and this is the picture that I have, the, the disciples came up, we fished all night, we have nothing, well, throw your nets over here where you don't know what you're talking about. And that's when they had the best catch of their entire life. I believe for you, there's literally a throwing of the net behind you, and there is an entire harvest and an entire catch of fish that are back there. Some things that, and I think there's some old relationships, some things that you've given up on. Even, even if you wish, a part of your life that you have kind of walked away from, and, and I'm not talking about the old, the old man sin, all that, but I'm talking about old relationships, what you did before, fill in the blank. And I think you're going to see some amazing things happen there. God's getting ready to, to, to get you really busy. I want you to hear this. Um, there's some advancement that's coming. I know it's already kind of in the natural, just a little bit happening in this house. But there is some advancement coming for you beyond just what you do in this one church. Is that I believe that God is getting ready to expand you beyond just this church. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, all right? Um, I, I, I'm going to say this, is that, and Pastor, this church is going to become multiple locations and it's going to become multiple locations before it's comfortable for you to do that. 
before it makes financial sense, before it makes sense in terms of we need the parking and we need the chairs. And so whatever might work on Kevin's grid, okay, in terms of this would be the holy check mark of when you need to go do something. There, there's, there's some divine opportunities that God's going to fling open. I'm just telling you. It's almost like a group of people that are going to say, we need you over here. And there's another part in this larger geographical area that God is going to have you guys begin something. And that one is going to become another one in very short order. And where, I, and where this, this may or may not remain the mothership, this is something that, brother, is going to involve you as well. Amen. Is that God, is, God has put the care of sheep on you. you. Again, you've proved yourself to be extremely competent, powerful. You're a lover of people. It's an evangelistic thing that flows through your life. But I also believe that it's almost like without having to leave this, God is going to kind of give you your own people as well. Amen. So expect this to happen. Amen. Um, your wife's not here tonight, but I can just say that everything that you are, you are because of her. All right. Um, she's so much better than you are in everything. It's not even funny. All right. Um, but she's an amazing woman. There's a leadership gift that's huge on her. You know, where, there's, where many times there's not a linear bone in your body. She knows how to get from point A to point B. Um, she's kind of kept you motivated at times. You can be, you, you know, you've, 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 learned, you've cleaned up, but you can be real messy. I don't know what else to say, all right? And she's about housebroken you over the years. You know, it's, it's just, it, it takes a rolled-up newspaper in many years, but she's about gotten, about gotten you straightened out. But there, there's a leadership gift that's on her life that I just see that the two of you together, you are a potent combination. There's a teaching gift that's on her that is tremendous. Uh, there's a gathering gift that's on her uniquely. I'm not going to go into the whole women in ministry and all of this kind of stuff, but she has ministry, let me just tell you. And I just see something dynamics happening with the two of you. And I'll just prophesy, and then you guys can unwind this later, but it's going to happen very, very quickly. It's going to come upon you suddenly. And God's going to give you guys all the resources you need to walk all the way through it. Amen? Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.